This podcast is part of the Podcavern Network. Check out other Podcavern shows at podcavern.com. Today, Moth and Spider attend a concert. If you're new to the podcast, you could check out the archives on the website and listen to the episodes you've missed. The address is in the show notes. You don't have to, of course, but this is the kind of story where details add up. Welcome to the tenth episode of The Moth Collection. The Moth Collection. Episode 10. Into the Net. Program, miss? Intoned the usher. Moth took the mimeographed pamphlet with a nervous simper. The young man, smitten, nearly added something, but duty prevailed, and he turned and walked away. Moth tried to slow her breathing down. She shuffled in her green evening gown. She pushed a rogue lock of her red hair behind her ear. She checked and rechecked the contents of her handbag. She desperately wanted to be anything but nervous, but that was not going to happen. Not here, not tonight. She was young, untried, and on her first mission out of the dreamer, here in the real divisions. She'd smelled the marzipan smell of the slide before, of course. They all did in training. But tonight, for the first time, she had smelled it on herself after she'd accepted an official brief from collection. She'd done her part of the preliminary work and had now found the brocade bench in the lounge where she was supposed to wait. It was already occupied. Well, these things happened. Just stand close to it. The place was filling up. She heard both French and English spoken in roughly equal measures. Trying to ignore how silly her pinned hat felt, she read the program with keen professional interest. Théâtre Orphée Récital de piano Vendredi 17 mai 1907 à 8h p.m. Monsieur Henri Mistral Programme Lieder ohne Worte Romance sans parole Livre 1, opus 19 et 2, opus 30 Mendelssohn Nocturne en Ré bémol majeur, forêt. Entracte. Miroir en cinq mouvements, Ravel. Suite bergamasque en quatre mouvements, Debussy. Courte adresse de l'artiste au public. Improvisation dans le style de Debussy. Le piano knabe et de la maison C.W. Lindsay. Oh, Bergamasque was one for her. She liked its liquid hills and valleys, and its tinkly elemental calls. Something to look forward to there. 
A thought that had been burbling deep at the bottom of her consciousness finally burst through. She frowned. Her extravagantly made-up eyes fluttered closed, dousing their nearly yellow shine, and she cast her mind back to the brief. "'What's the matter, dear?' exclaimed the older woman in the dark grey dress and sensible pearls as she sidled up to Moth. "'You seem put out.' Moth nearly screamed, but managed to restrain herself to an unladylike start. "'Hello, Spider,' she greeted her colleague, voice wavering, cheeks hot and red. Not put out exactly, a little surprised. Apparently, Mistral will address the public before his last piece, you know, when he'll improvise something. That wasn't in the copy of the program that we got in the brief. Spider's laughter had a bitter edge to it. Oh, that's lesson one from this side of the slide, Moth. The brief is always wrong. Her eyes, deep within a permanent squint, were not laughing. She found a pair of spectacles in her handbag and examined her own copy of the program. To be fair, sometimes it's reality that gets it wrong, but mostly it's the brief. When we're lucky, it's only details, though it's never just the one you can bank on that. But now and then they drop us in it so bad. It's a miracle we managed to climb out of the crap at all. The middle-aged couple sitting on the bench swallowed something the wrong way. Spider glared right back at them for an uncomfortably long time, and they upped and left, muttering in French. Moth was a bit shocked herself, but what was she going to do? Spider was the veteran. It's perfectly fine, for heaven's sake. Spider said, rolling her eyes. She made a quick sucking noise between her teeth and dropped the program back in her purse. All I am to them is an ornery spinster. They're not going to recall anything particularly alien about what they've heard. People are just stupid that way. Remember one thing, Moth. Collection is not here with us. We're the ones who are actually taking the risks. She moved in closer to Moth. Her voice dropped and turned husky. And mark me well, there are risks. Discrepancies are always dangerous, even the charming ones. Over the long run, especially the charming ones. She straightened and reached for Moth's elbow in a companionable gesture. Shall we? Monsieur Mistral is waiting for us in his dressing room. She slipped her arm through Mott's own, and they set up, two girlfriends out in the big city, here for the big recital. I've made sure the policeman Mistral asked for is on the other side of the containment, said Moth as they walked toward the backstage area. Everyone else can come in. We don't want the hall to be half empty, but he'll circle the place until we're done and wonder why he did come morning. I have no doubt that you followed protocol, whatever it is this week, very conscientiously. That's what they all say about you, isn't it? I see no reason not to believe them. I know we haven't been particularly close since you came to Nat House, Maud. 
I expect you would rather have gone on this job with Butterfly. Am I wrong? Now it was Moth's turn to sound as though she'd swallowed a fly. I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not sure what you mean. Keep your dress on, said Spider with a leer and a giggle. I know you don't tumble that way. Butterfly's an excellent op, is all I'm getting at. And he has a knack for being a good teacher, even though he's just a colleague and not on the training staff. Whereas, uh, I'm more of the old battle-axe type. A big mouth a decade away from retirement, give or take a few months. You know? Moth was not enjoying this conversation. She was wondering how it would look if she went to HR after her very first brief. But that'll be your life, Spider went on like a bulldozer. If this job works out, collection says jump, and, well. A neatly dressed man with a waxed moustache and an elaborate, somewhat deafening cravat stood by the door leading backstage. Moth showed him the document, and he cheerfully waved him through. I never thought that would work, marveled Moth, grateful for the chance to change the subject. Two women working as police officers in this division? The concatenation of a discrepancy and the containment always makes everything go screwy, said Spider. Yes, that's well covered in basic. The reality of it is just a bit startling, I suppose. Mistral wanted to see their credentials when they were shown into his dressing room, but he did not quibble about them either. He had asked for the law. Here the law was, and that was good enough for him. Here and now, in any case. We don't have much time, Mistral warned them apologetically. I need a reasonable period to compose myself before I can play. He snorted at his own unexpected joke. Here, he proffered a piece of paper. Moth took it. A note in a flowery hand. Your music is from another world. You drill it into my heart every time. Enough. Tonight. Cryptic, said Moth. Very cryptic, said Spider. I dare say it makes sense to whoever wrote it, Mistral said mildly. But I don't think I'm quite safe with this person on loose, wouldn't you agree? I mean, enough? Tonight? You may well be right. Moth let Spider have the letter. How did you receive it? It was sent to this theatre by post. This is not the first one, merely the latest. This has all been going on for some weeks. The letters always arrive at the theatre where I'm performing. Mind you, my calendar is published well in advance. Moth nodded attentively. Mistral couldn't know it, but she was making a note of everything he was telling them, as he was telling them. And as she did, Spider read the notes commented on them, amended them. The people at the net were very big on the notation system. Collection always went back over the notes. Where are the other letters? asked Spider, 
carefully putting the bizarre missive in the cardboard file in her handbag. I burned them. Mistral's tone was placid. They're making it deucedly difficult for me to play in the necessary equable disposition. I found that destroying them restores a measure of my peace of mind. That was evidence, said Spider. Useful to find this person, and certainly would have gone a long way to convince a judge to go for a harsher sentence. I realize that now. It was not my intention to make your work difficult, although I would appreciate it if we all kept in mind that my life is the one being threatened. He scratched his chin and stared at the women, glaring as though he dared them to contradict his interpretation. This letter is quite representative in any case, apart from the menacing bit about tonight. The other ones were a bit more vague as to schedule. And you have no suspicion as to whom this could be? asked Moth. None. The clasp on Spider's handbag snapped shut. Well, Monsieur Mistral, we have our methods. I don't think you will die tonight. Mistral's eyebrows jumped up and back. Your ironclad certainty reassures me to no end. Spider smiled sweetly. We will see you at intermission, monsieur. Come on, Moth, we have a loon to find. Back in the lounge, Spider and Moth began the slow and inexact process of sifting through the crowd in the hopes of finding their quarry. Moth stayed in the lounge, gauging the incoming ticket holders, while Spider walked about the parterre. They'd take the corbeille in the stalls afterwards. The brief says the discrepancy is probably a woman, noted Moth. Does it, though? An Albert, it turns out to be a kangaroo. There was still a half hour before the concert. They were expected to be in their seats, in a side box, in twenty minutes at most. Concert-goers walked in, drank, talked, flirted, went into the hall to take their place. Moth and Spider exchanged notes at an increasingly frantic pace, using them the way they all did, to converse from afar. Collection didn't like that so Moth would need to go back and revise the notes before the final report. I wanted to talk talk about the outcome, outcome. noted Moth. I realize we have the authority, authority. but will searing the discrepancy discrepancy really be necessary? necessary? Honest Honest opinion? opinion? Yes, it will. will. Surely Surely the pianist's pianist's safety safety is the priority. priority. Not particularly. Spider was dismissive. He's not a plinth. plinth. If we lose him, it's a few paragraphs more at report. report. But clearly Clearly the presence of the discrepancy, discrepancy, its presence presence itself, itself, is what we need need to address. address. A minute went by. It's just that that the letter mentions mentions music, music. noted Moth tentatively. In In emotional, emotional, romantic romantic terms. There's something there, Spider. Spider. Something deeper. deeper. Something Something sensitive. sensitive. I think we can at least try try to talk talk her into leaving of her own accord. accord. 
The letter ends on a death threat. Does it, though? Don't be arch, Ma. It's not you at all. The letter ends on a death threat. And you know what that means, don't you? When Moth didn't answer, Spider pressed on. She doesn't just mean to kill him. She means to eat him. I hardly think she'd take her love of music quite that far, Moth noted tartly. Wouldn't she? She's a discrepancy. That's what it always comes down to. Absorbing. Consuming the focus of their particular obsession. A mother, a colleague, poetry, music, they spiral down to it. Some more slowly than others, but they all get there in the end. These identities they take on when they cross over from the interstices, it drives them insane. And when they've made it here once, it's in their blood. You can send them back to the voids. Oh, this one's not dangerous, you report to collection. But they always come back, every time a little more disturbed, every time a little more unhinged, until you have to sear them because they've murdered someone. Collection does not expect us to straight-line any and all discrepancies by killing them as soon as we meet them. They'll want to fight back eventually, you know. They do! Every time! I realize that you don't feel ready to sear someone on your first spin, Ma. But you know as well as I do that their very presence on this side is a problem. In the longer term, anyway. If they stay, they eventually cause ruptures. Nobody wants that. They worked in silence for another moment. But Spider was not quite done. That's the conundrum of the discrepancies. No matter how touching they can be, no matter how unfair it may feel, it is only a matter of time before one of us has to kill them. So don't fob off your responsibilities on a future colleague. Put your pants on. The rebuke stung, but Moth didn't respond. Spider was a valued op. Abrasive, yes. Coarse and crude, certainly, but dependable and honest. Moth could begin to prove she was worthy of the job, she reckoned, by taking the humiliating lecture into serious consideration. There would come a time when Spider would need something from her, and then she could be taught manners. Two minutes before she would have to leave the lounge to get to her seat, Moth finally noticed the discrepancy. I didn't expect her to just walk in right off the voids, I must say. Woman, early twenties, dramatic disposition, extravagant red dress, long, silky blonde hair, beads and sequins in a shawl, Smart leather boots. Bit brash for the division, if you see what I mean. She's turning heads. Yeah? Noted Spider. Interstitial silt on the boots. Moth noted in reply. Are you quite sure? I'm looking at it right now. And she was. 
The discrepancy's boots were covered in a thin layer of globulous mud that glowed, dimly but unmistakably, in the characteristic violet of the voids. Two possibilities, possibilities. noted Spider briskly. You find out where she's sitting. If the letter is to be believed, she'll wait until the end of the concert to go for Mistral anyway. I'll be in our box. If I don't have a bead on her from my seat, we'll think about where to park ourselves during the first half of the program. Then we corner her during the intermission. And the other possibilities? You accost her right now and let her know we're on to her and ask her to come talk in the restrooms on the second floor. Moth pondered for a second. If we do it now, she noted, it can all go down while everyone else is in the hall listening to Mistral. We'll have a bit more privacy, less work for the cleanup crew, perhaps no need for cleanup at all. Agreed. Well called. Go. I'm sorry, miss, said Moth as she came up to the woman in the theatrical red dress. I wonder if you might help me with something. She showed her the program. There seems to be a discrepancy here, see? The young woman tensed. A series of emotions rolled over her features at some speed. Surprise, terror, anger, revolt, sadness, resignation, peace. Quite the arc in less than a second by Moth's reckoning. The discrepancy took a step back and appeared to weigh the possibility of springing. Careful, whispered Moth. I don't believe we need to fight. She waved toward the stairs. Come with me. We can talk. You'll kill me, said the discrepancy. Moth shook her head kindly. I don't think that will be necessary, but we do need to talk, one music lover to another. Come with me? She put her hand at the small of the discrepancy's back and pushed her gently along up the stairs. It was a risky move, but Moth believed she had succeeded in making the discrepancy off balance, and right now this meant that she was in control of the situation. They walked into the restrooms as the last patron who had been powdering her nose was leaving to take her seat. I'm in the far stall, noted Spider. I'll wait and come out if needed. Surprise is our best bet. Moth came to a swift decision. I'm here with a friend, she said to the discrepancy. Don't be alarmed. Come out, Spider. What are you doing? Showing her she can trust me. Just let me talk to her, Spider. Please. After a fraught pause, the door to the last stall opened, and Spider walked out, her eyes fixed balefully on Moth. This is Spider. I'm Moth. What's your name? Elena. The discrepancy's tone was timid. Her eyes bounced between the two of them. Keep her off balance. You love music, don't you, Eleanor? said Moth, 
Eleanor had not expected the interview to start like that. Yes. Then she added, less cagily, Oh, God, yes. I do, too. But sometimes it can make you crazy, can't it? The beauty of it. The discrepancy nodded, unsure. The beauty and the joy and the sadness of it, said Moth. It starts somewhere at the back of your mind and travels all over you and swirls around and crawls all over your skin until you think you'll die from it. Hardly op language, but there was something about the atmosphere of this division that spurred her to poetic excesses. She had a feeling the discrepancy would respond to it in any case. Adapt, 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 as Butterfly said. Yes, stammered Eleanor, astounded. Yes, that's exactly it. How can you... I get it all the time, too. It makes you feel like the queen of the cosmos, but it also makes you feel as insignificant as a flea on a dog's back. It makes you not quite right in the head. Eleanor, I don't think you meant what you wrote in that letter. About Monsieur Mistral, I mean. But I did. Moth's gaze slid to Spider. No, you did not, she said with heavy emphasis. You let your music-addled brain get the better of you, and you're sorry you freaked everybody out. If you can agree to this, I think we can simply release you to the voids on your own recognizance, and that will be that. I think my colleague will agree. Moth made a show of turning to Spider. Well, muttered Spider reluctantly, I think, in view of the circumstances, and as a token of my trust in my colleague's judgment, I could countenance your departure to the void. The top half of Eleanor's body burst into shards of glinting steel. Her eyes blazed as she grew in size until she nearly scraped the ceiling. Her maw creaked open with the noise of sheet metal ripping. It yawned, a round tunnel filled with whirring buzzsaws. A swarm of tiny scintillating slivers suddenly flew at Spider. Spider's reflexes had always been good, and they saved her then. She let herself fall to the floor, felt the wind of the thousand blades whizzing over her, and heard their diffused, staggered thwack as they all buried themselves in the wall behind her. And then Moth's straining took over. And she did end up searing the first discrepancy she ever met in theater. Moth placed the call to the cleanup crew. As Spider stood watch on the door to the restrooms, the furtive, silent cleaners transferred the remains of the discrepancies to a vial with the kind of swiftness and steadiness that Moth thought she would never attain. Ten minutes later, the room looked spotless, but it reeked of vinegar. They reached their private box, as Mistral was about a third of the way into the forêt. They still needed to let him know it was done, 
They sat, stock still, as Mistral's hands fluttered over the keyboard in a closed bubble of concentration. They did not exchange a word. Moth had made one note before taking her seat. Discrepancy straight line. She had a feeling Spider would amend this before the day was out. She was not sure she still had a job. After a few minutes, as Mistral was coming to the end of the nocturne, Moth could bear it no longer. I'm sorry, Spider, she whispered. I'm listening to this, said Spider. This guy's good. He was. He truly was. Music was the one secondary field Moth loved and knew well. There was no doubt the man could play. As soon as Mistral had saluted and left the stage, they weaved their way through the throng, picking up a hundred different ways of saying that was beautiful, both in French and in English. They were once again shown into the pianist's dressing room. The meeting was short. After Moth's quick, bowderized précis of the sequence, he had wanted to ask about the ultimate fate of his stalker, but Spider had firmly informed him that there were some details he need not concern himself with, and in the fog of containment he had accepted that. His features seemed to alternate between elation and sorrow. Will you be all right, Monsieur Mistral? Yes, I think so. It's just a bit overwhelming, I suppose. This woman has been a presence in my life for some time, and now it's over. There was nothing cogent to add to that. They left. What do you expect me to put in the report, Marth? said Spider abruptly when the dressing-room door had closed behind them. Ah, nearly died. I know, Moth said miserably. I'll let Collection know as well. Spider let her breath whistle out, slowly. Hold off on the notes just now, she said, her tone softening. We don't have to go back this minute. There's no particular rush even to report to Collection, I don't think. And this guy is good. There was a beat. I do like the sweet bergamasque very much, said Ma, hoping she was catching Spider's meaning. Back in basic, they'd insisted this sort of thing wasn't supposed to be done, but Spider was working point. I think you would too, it's one of Debussy's big hits. Would you like to stay and hear the rest of the concert? I think it would do us both good, don't you? said Spider. We'll talk later. Mistral's playing had been superb for what little they'd heard of the first part of the program, but it now attained a sort of crystalline flawlessness. The musician seemed touched by grace, and the audience felt it. These pieces were fairly new to these people as well, Moth reflected. She'd heard both suites hundreds of times, but to this audience, this must have felt like witnessing the birth of a star. Moth had never heard the Ravel suite played like this, 
not in concert, not on any recording. The last frayed chord of La Vallée des Cloches melted long and slow throughout the hall. Mistral did not wait for the applause to die down, to start the Suite Bergamasque, and the silence that fell when the audience realized his hands were already moving over the keys was like a door closing. It was harder to make this sound fresh to Moth's ears, of course. Claire de Lune had been used to sell soap for so long. But damned if he didn't manage to reach in and wring her heart in ways she would not have believed possible even an hour ago. She stole a glance at Spider and smiled. Her colleague was transfixed. The end of the whimsical passe-pied was not supposed to make you cry, but here they were. A longish beat after the last three light touches. Mistral turned to the first rose. His eyes were also shiny with unshed tears. To thunderous applause, he stood up. Ah yes, whispered Moth, shivering dabbing carefully at her eyes with her handkerchief. Music can make her cry. Now he addresses the public. Mistral cleared his throat. <clears throat> My dear friends, he began haltingly, tonight a great weight has been lifted from my shoulders. I am playing in celebration. Now, music is all I have. It is the breath of my life. It is the very blood in my veins. He spoke louder and with greater weight. I have been on a long, arduous journey from the place I grew up in to this theater tonight, and I want to thank you all for sharing, here with me, that great universal gift. I have decided to end this concert by setting myself a bit of a challenge. I make no secret of my opinion that the greatest French composer alive today is the superlative Debussy. I hope you felt I did justice to his miraculous suite. A swell of assent from the crowd, which he acknowledged with a little dip of the head. He does not command unanimity, of course. No real genius does. Debussy is an eccentric and uncompromising taskmaster, yet every line he writes is as light and free as thought. And on this most astounding of days, on this day where my commitment to Euterpe has been forged anew, I have decided to pay humble homage to the fawn of Paris by improvising, before your astonished ears, so to speak, a number for solo piano and the style of this extraordinary composer. That's a bit presumptuous, surely, muttered Moth. What a strange-mannered division this is. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mistral concluded, a few more moments and the unique voice of Achille Claude Debussy. One hand on the piano, the other over his heart, Mistral saluted to rapturous clapping. He sat down. His hands then floated up, fingers delicately splayed, before settling down on the keyboard like falling leaves. He took a long, slow breath, didn't let it out, and began to play. Within three bars, Moth's skin had paled to a dirty gray under her fond de teint. He's a discrepancy as well, she murmured. Now it's Moth. Spider appeared confused and anxious. Right, said Moth, looking as though she was about to faint. Henri Mistral is not human, she noted. How do you know? He's not improvising. He's playing La Fille aux Cheveux de Lain. That's from Debussy's first book of preludes. This was gibberish to Spider. I'm not following you. He's playing a piece by Debussy, which Debussy won't compose for another two and a half years. To Moth's satisfaction, that was direct enough finally to elicit a consequent reaction from Spider. The veteran's breath caught in her throat, her hands rolled into fists, and the veins across their backs bulged. I said it was presumptuous of him, Moth noted her gaze gliding over the worshipping audience. Nobody here has ever heard it. That's why there's no outrage, and of course it sounds like Debussy. Her mouth twitched. Though not that much, come to think of it, it's highly uncharacteristic. Too simple, fairly conventional harmonies, too. She shivered. My God, he's playing it well. Taking it a bit slower than you'd expect, but he makes it work. You'll have to segue into something else eventually. It's fairly short. That bastard! Spider spat through clenched teeth. She was seething and had been waiting to get a word in edgeways. She had no time for what was, to her, a flood of Byzantine technical observations. The bastard! She went back to the notes. We landed ourselves in the middle of a feud between two discrepancies, and he used us to do his dirty work for him. I guess he thinks we already left. It'd be a bit maladroit otherwise. A little risky. It's a well-known piece. I didn't know it, noted Spider lamely. Hmm. Now he's doing La Cathédrale Engloutie. I wonder why we didn't pick up any vestigial resonance. Moth pursed her lips. We did. I just figured it was Eleanor's. This made sense to Spider. Come on, she said aloud. We'll wait for him in his dressing room. Avec une brique et un fanal, as they say around these bars. 
By this time they'd been let through so often that they didn't even have to show their credentials to the moustached and cravatted gentleman carelessly guarding the backstage door, and to the one smoking a pipe as he leaned on the wall next to Mistral's room. They were waved in without a second look. Once they were in, Moth went and sat, very straight, on the love seat. Spider chose to stand. Simultaneously, as though the moves were choreographed, Moth took out her sewer and trained it on the door, while Spider coiled about a quarter of her divisional garrote around her hand, letting the rest hang and twitch along the skirt of her long dress. They waited about three-quarters of an hour, by Moth's reckoning. Mistral looked theatrically startled when he saw them there as he walked in, holding an enormous bouquet of roses and forget-me-nots. The fragrance of the roses was almost visible. Warily, taking pains not to lurch, he laid the bouquet on the low, filigreed table in the center of the room. I hadn't pegged you as music lovers, the discrepancy said in a labored voice. His gaze went quickly to their weapons, then back to their stern faces. Spider was peeved and didn't care who knew it. Our job may be messy, but it doesn't preclude the finer feelings. I wonder, Moth said. What was the nature of your conflict with Eleanor? He gave her a fleeting look of surprise. Oh, was that her name? His shoulders drooped. Doesn't matter anymore, does it? Look, you saw how insane she was. Killing her was your only choice, and I thank you for it. You saved my life as well as the integrity of this division. I recognize that. Just let me go now. I'll return to the voids willingly, never cross back. You are an exceptional pianist, said Moth abruptly. Whatever happens now, I wanted to tell you this. I don't think I've heard a better performance of that prelude. Thank you. The heartfelt sincerity in the tone of a woman who was pointing a searer at him made the discrepancy blink in bewilderment. I thank you, he said, his voice thickening. Debussy played it for me. Or he will, you know. That must have been a remarkable experience. Or it will be. He's a very good pianist. There were tears in his eyes now. Look, let me leave. I'm no danger. I've had the music. The phrase piqued Spider's attention. Yes, the music. The music indeed. What's the attraction? She asked. Why the compulsion to cross? You have music in the voids. Even I know of it. Legendary music. The so-called music of the spheres. That's true, said Ma. The observation was shrewder than Spider seemed to, to realize. It's a music many humans would kill to hear. Composers have aimed for it throughout history. Well, that's the point, isn't it? 
He snapped, mortified, and wiped his eyes and cheeks with the palm of his hands. The transcendence is always on the other side. He looked at them pleadingly. Let me go. Please. I don't think so, said Spider. This was final, Moth sensed. There would be no appeal. You'll be back here within six months by my reckoning. You won't be able to stay away. The discrepancy's skin rippled like bedsheets drying in the wind. Mistral strained visibly to rein the change in and turned to Moth, sensing that she might be more receptive. She just shook her head sadly. I'm sorry, she said. She raised the serum. Her shot took half his legs when he tried to run, and Spider was on him. He was one of the glassy ones, but the divisional garrote worked on all of them. Spider teetered back when it was done. A few unsteady steps, and she let herself drop heavily into the love seat. <sighs> that bloody noise, she panted. I'm so glad it's not just me, said Moth, suppressing a belch. Everyone hates the boom back. Search him before he turns completely, will you? We might find a clue as to why he wanted her dead. Sure enough, there was something in the inside pocket of his stiffening jacket. Moth pulled out the two photographs and appraised them in silence. There was an inscription across the first one. The other? Well, it didn't need any. She held them morosely out to Spider. It's a clue, all right, she said. Spider loathed that feeling of things getting away from her, and it happened much too often in this job. She snatched the photographs out of Moth's hand and groaned. The first photo showed Eleanor, smiling, quirkily elegant, beautiful. A studio portrait inscribed, Forever, your Eleanor. The second picture was rather more candid. Still beautiful, of course. That's not conclusive, said Spider plaintively. She could just have sent him these. She's plenty attractive. I'd have kept them, too. The portrait, yes, nodded Moth. But look at the other one. At the back of the more intimate shot was that bane of photographers, a mirror in which Mistral could be seen, quite clearly, holding the camera. Spider used a most unladylike word. Moth made a series of comprehensive notes, then took the photos back and filed them away in her handbag. Collection would want to see them. Not enemies, she said aloud. Lovers, united by a shared passion for the music of this sphere. Spider was livid. He never intended to go back. 
They knew we'd get them eventually. Suicide pact and wear the gun. She sniffed. He played us at every second of this. They both did, agreed Moth. Shall I report to collection? Let me make the call. I need to yell a bit, and collection needs to hear me do it. This was the worst brief in the history of bad briefs. Moth considered apologizing again. Spider saw it, and raised a finger in warning. No more of that, she said. Look, all right. This romantic streak of yours, which you share with that sap butterfly, by the way, you need to see to that. Well, it's your first outing. She coiled her garrote carefully around four fingers. You'll make a fine up, and I won't be in the house forever. Easier to think about retirement, knowing the new guys are not going to burn the place down. This is Vincent Lauzon. I hope you enjoyed this 10th episode of The Moth Collection. If you did, tell people about it. You could even leave a comment or a review and come visit the website, which has a bunch of fun things and extras. The address is in the show notes. Write what you know, they say. Well, I know classical music, so... There you are. Links to today's pieces, and indeed to all the music heard on this series, can be found on the website. Debussy really is worth your time. The Moth Collection is written and read by Vincent Lauzon. Production by Transuranic. I hope you'll be back in two weeks for another episode of The Moth Collection. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked. Top 5 lists of stuff that don't matter. In every episode, with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts, we debate, battle, and work together, showing you the entire process of how we got there, to create a top 5 list of any and every topic we can think of, like top 5 brunch menu items, top 5 fictional dogs, top 5 90s songs, top 5 Steves? The list goes on and on, and we will not rest till we rank basically everything. So join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter. Top five, top five, top five.